Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Internet Marketing. Hello there and welcome to the show that gives you the lowdown, the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by AI Digital at ai-digital.com. And it's episode 50. It's finally come round. It seems to have taken a thousand years, but we're finally here at episode 50. And uh, it's a bit of a special show today. We don't have the normal sort of two or three segments with lots of interviews. It's basically a questions and answers session. So we had uh, a bunch of our listeners send in some questions via Twitter and uh, via good old conventional email. And we've tried to select seven quite representative sort of questions and seven what we hope are very good answers. So here we go. Episode 50. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 50 of Internet Marketing. And I'm sitting here with uh, with Kelvin. Hi, Kelvin. Hello. How are you doing, Andy? All right. It's a momentous occasion, this 50th podcast. You know, there's not many that, you know, been around that long. The one thing that really gets me about this podcast is I can't believe it's a 50th show. It doesn't feel like we've done 50. Um, it feels like we've been doing it for about a thousand years. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I think it's because we only actually publish about once a month or exactly once a month now. So, I mean, the, there are other podcasts that I listen to such as Security Now which I really, really recommend they've been going for about the same length of time yeah. and they're already on their 200th because they broadcast every week well, I mean that's a lot of podcasting isn't it but you know if you've got the content to be doing that and putting it out on a weekly basis is really good the more you know especially with the podcast the more you put them out the more you know you get engaged with the audience and it just works brilliantly from that perspective it does. Now, I thought we'd treat our viewers or our listeners because I dug out the very first episode and I'm just, it's on my iPhone. I'm just going to play it. Let's have a quick listen. Okay. Can you hear that? Still got the same jingle, so that's good. Yeah. But I just like the way I introduce it. Have a listen. Okay, well, at long last, <laughs> we are here, absolutely, at uh, Academy Internet. And uh, we're going to have a, a series of podcasts talking about series the subject of, of internet marketing. It's always strange hearing your own and voice, I, I do have, have to say. with me, this is Andy White, by the way, I am uh, the presenter. <laughs> that's the um, best bit where I forget who I am and I have to reintroduce myself. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, as long as you knew who you, were, who you were, that's always a good start, you know. If you've forgotten your name already, you know, you've got to worry about what you're um, putting together for the show there. <laughs> 
Okay, so moving on. So what we've done on today's special episode yeah. is we, we have, um, as, as, the, as of a massive mailbag, we have uh, gathered uh, seven questions, which we are going to answer today, uh, covering a variety of internet marketing topics. And um, it's just going to be a questions and answers session today, uh, just, just me and Kelvin. I can see you're itching to say something, yeah. Kelvin. Well, yeah, it's just we, we get loads of feedback um, every month in terms of questions that people are asking. And, you know, I normally try to reply either on Twitter or on email or, you know, however people get in contact and, you know, get back with an answer. But it's kind of always nice to, you know, let you guys know who's, who are listening who might never have sent in a question that, you know, we're... You know, we're always keen to, to help anyone out with any questions they've got. And we thought that'd be a good idea as it's a, you know, a big landmark episode, as it were, to answer a few questions specifically that people might have. Because really, you know, without the podcast, we're here to help you guys who are listening, you know, get the most out of your marketing efforts. So if we can help you specifically in any way, that's, you know, it makes us get up in the morning, as it were. Absolutely true. Okay, without further ado, that rhymes with true. I'm a poet and didn't know it. Uh, let, let's get on to our, uh, our seven questions. The first one, uh, most of these actually, interestingly, most of these came in from Twitter, didn't they, actually? Yeah, I mean, we, we, on, we did that 49A, so that kind of half episode, as it were, and we kind of gave an email address and gave Twitter. But yeah, a good sort of like 50, well, 60% of the questions came through over um, Twitter, as it were there. So it's showing that, yeah, you, the guys listening are definitely you know, taking advantage of the Twitter as a good communication tool, really, which is, you know, it's nice to see. So yeah, if anyone ever wants to, you know point anything in our direction use the hashtag impc so hash sign impc i check that every couple of days to see if anyone's talking about stuff but yeah that's where you know the first you know three questions we had here all came straight through on twitter okay so first question is from p ferron and he asks what's the worst seo disaster the team have come across or experienced and then corrected Kelvin. Well, I mean, there's lots of people making lots of tiny SEO mistakes on a day-by-day basis because that's how it tends to be. It's difficult to get everything completely wrong. It's just lots of things you can improve. But there's one particular example of a, a, of a, a website I worked on where I made quite a big... Um, balls up as it were are you sure you're willing to share this with our listeners yeah yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd you know put my hands up and say this one was completely my fault as it were but it's you know the the way that this happened it's really easy and it can happen to a lot of people so I, I'm really keen to kind of share this one because it's one that's it makes me look a little bit of an idiot <laughs> but um, but from that perspective it happens a lot so when you've got sort of you're working on a new version of your site as it were you have the you know the test one hidden away somewhere and your your proper one still live as it were and because you don't want the search engines to see your, um, you know, your test version of the site, you'll put a little bit of code there, either in a robots.txt file or on the page saying, look, search engines, go away. We don't want you to see this page. Yeah, this is the robots.txt file, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so essentially it's a little bit of uh, a little file on your computer where you can tell the search engines, okay, don't go to this private bit of the site because mm. um, it's not for you. Mm. Well, what happened was when this site went live, they kind of took down the old site FTP'd up the new site and took with it the old robots.txt file, um, which, you know, said to the search engines, yeah, you know, our website that you've been building links to for, uh, for a while, um, you know, you don't, don't go to that anymore. And we, fortunately, we noticed quite quickly, as it were, it's like, you know, we were checking the next day, as it were, and it's like, okay, well, why did, um, why have the search engines not come to spider the site? But I've, I've heard from friends and, you know, I did it, you know, other people have done it in the past and it, it can completely wipe out your SEO effort because essentially you're saying to the search and to Google, go away, we don't want you to come to this site. Does, you, does it cause uh, Google to erase all the previous stuff? Essentially, yeah. They, they get rid of all of your cache of your site. I mean, the good news is that if the links are still there and then you remove that file, it'll, it'll come back as it were. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it only had an impact for, for, for a couple of days on our site. But if you forgot about that and didn't notice for two weeks and then you don't check your analytics on a regular basis and you kind of launch this new site and you come back and suddenly you've gone from 
you know, having, you know, 95% of your traffic coming from Google and that suddenly disappears overnight, that can have a huge impact on your business. So it's a really easy thing to rectify. It's just make sure when you put a new site live that, it, you know, you're not blocking the search engines. But, you know, it's a kind of mistake that I know lots of people make. So it's just keep an eye out for it. And, you know, once it, once you've corrected it, you know, you're kind of okay. All the links you build will still have the same value. But, you know, in that meet, it's that loss of traffic in the short time. It's like your site going down effectively for... Mm you know a couple of days as it were so yeah keep an eye open for that one so uh so basically the summary there is uh a bit of a tale of woe with your robots.txt make sure that you don't accidentally leave that as to the sort of um google go away mode yeah yeah you know don't say we're not open and and you'll be fine on that one our second question um from constantink is that right i haven't um um, I was going to say a rude word then, but something <laughs> up his name. Uh, so it's Constant Inc. Any great examples of a viral non-video online stuff, like a, a non-video online campaign? Any great examples you know of? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when people think about viral content online, they always kind of go back to the YouTube videos, don't they? You know, the um, well, we interviewed um, Kieran um, from Altogether Digital, but he's moved to a different company now. Um, who did the TFL for London one, the one with the, the moonwalking bear that we had in the last last episode or the episode before last. And yeah, all that kind of video content tends to be what people talk about. But yeah, viral content doesn't need to be video. When um, Constant, um, Constant Inc., I think probably what it is, um, asked that question, I thought, oh yeah, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head in the same way that you can for the viral videos. But it suddenly came to me, um, there was a website called Just Say Hi, and there's a good case study on this on the SEO mod site that I'll include in the, um, the program notes, um, where basically they were using widgets and quizzes to build links to a dating site. So, for example, here are two of the, they used about a dozen or so ideas, but they had one that was kind of, you put in the address of your blog and it would tell you if you were, you know, the verb, verbosity, as it were, in terms of are you using lots of long words and are all your posts two pages long and it gave you a score out of 100 and you could rate yourself against your friends and then embed that in your blog or they had other ones like could you survive on the moon where you kind of take a series of questions and like you know it's like have you got a spacesuit? yeah it, it, yeah and it's you know similar sort of those ones kind of like you know you remember like in magazines you used to get which spice girl are you and you had to answer a series of questions and a lot of that does well on facebook now at the moment but you can get those things and if you give someone a badge and they embed it in their site that's gonna you know spread that virally as it were and give them the ability to forward it to their friends. I mean, they were doing it for a dating site and they got over half a million links from just doing these tactics. And as a link building technique, that's really, really, really scalable and really, really efficient because rather than having to contact all those people or write blog posts or anything, you just kind of produce something, let it go to a few people on your mailing list and then let it spread virally. This meant that they were doing really, really well on the search results. And unfortunately, Google kind of came down a bit hard because they got a bit greedy because basically... The way it went originally was a kind of, okay, here's your verbosity score, and then it's kind of a little link in the bottom in the text that says their name and their website. Mm. Then they got a bit cheeky by putting like free dating site, which is fine. A little bit more dodgy there, but then eventually they got really greedy and then started putting in other random words for other websites. They worked on like payday loans and mortgages and all this kind of thing. So essentially they got greedy, and Google killed all the search benefit of that. So that's not necessarily one you can do from SEO point of view, but then on the same point of view, if you know, half a million people have put your code on your on um, on their website. You're obviously doing pretty well from a branding perspective. Mm. Um, so from that point of view, it's definitely widgets are kind of a good one. I mean, I was, I was talking to Andy before we started about whether they were kind of audio um, viral content. And I, I mean, I think a lot of the content that's on YouTube is kind of audio-y. I don't know if there's any that you can think of specifically, Andy, that you've come across from that. I can't think of any because this is... Um, I have often pondered 
often pondered I've often pondered yeah. if if audio can go viral I personally can't think of any examples um, I've tried it myself with, mm. with what I thought were quite funny bits of audio and they just haven't done a thing well mm. but they went to about six people and then just stopped but I'd like to come back to this concept of widget marketing because it, it's I'm trying to remember if we've actually done a show on widget marketing. I think we've talked about it, but I don't think we've, we've done an entire show on it. But it's something that was being banded around a lot, I think, about a year ago. But it seems to have gone a bit quiet. But I still think it's very powerful. Because if you can create any sort of useful program that presents itself as a widget that can be embedded easily on a website, does something useful or amusing... And it points back to your website. That cannot be a bad strategy. Yeah, and the great thing about widgets is it kind of removes your marketing from your website. Because at the moment, you know, if all your content you're doing is on your website, that's quite centralized. But the way the web works now, it's all decentralized, isn't it? It's kind of like you've got Facebook, you know, and you've got your various applications that you do in there. You've got Twitter and the application. You know, there's no one center to anything that you do online. And widgets are a great way of taking a bit of your website and putting it on someone else's website. And it can be really powerful. you You've got to be inventive. That's the problem with it. You know, if people are taking your code, putting it on their site, it's got to be really high quality. Mm. But if you can come up with that idea, it's limitless what you can achieve with it, really. Okay, moving on to the third question from uh, Simon C. Mason. He asks, what is your preferred method or tools for choosing and researching keywords and phrases for SEO or pay-per-click? Yeah, I mean, we, a lot of you will probably know that, you know, SEO is kind of what I'm doing on the, you know, day job as it were mm. you know interest in social media and a lot of those things but keyword research is right at the, the center of that and there's lots of ways of doing it tool there's loads of tools out there i mean my favorite you can't go wrong with google's keyword tool their standard tool um you know it, it might not have all the bells and whistles of some of the other tools but it's kind of pretty pretty hot from that perspective you're getting the real data from the horse's mouth um word tracker is pretty good there's keyword discovery is another tool that you know i recommend quite highly and in fact word tracker have come out with a tool fairly recently the kind of a toolbar type thing which when you're writing your blog posts it will read what you're typing and tell you suggest keywords around that so help you write the title so stuff like that you know is really really good and i'd recommend for anyone doing a blog having a look at that tool now i know kelvin you actually have quite a strong opinion on this don't you unleash your opinion on the on the listeners well i mean i think you can't go wrong with you know Google, you can't go wrong with Word Tracker, but at the end of the day, your best keyword research tool is your noggin, as it were. And I think a lot of people are what, keen. The pink cauliflower. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are keen to go and find out a super duper tool that will do it all for them. But when really, you know, if you think about it, it's just you can come up with it in your head, as it were. You can use tools to estimate the volume and which ones you should target based on the popularity. But the way I go about it is kind of, first of all, look at what's on your site. So what pages have you got? What products do you offer? Because all of those are your keywords because if you if you're selling a you know an iphone your iphone should keep your keyword if you're selling headphones headphones are your keyword, and you go off that there um i'll say i like to think about what are your ego keywords so what are the terms that if you're selling advertising on your site or your boss is coming to you and saying okay i want you to rank well on google what are the terms he's searching because an appreciation of those ones that are going to get you get your boss pleased or get your boss off your back as it were they should be in your list as well um think about what problems your product or service solves so not just okay um iphone's probably not a good example here but say you're kind of a, a car dealer and you sell uh, mercedes so you might put in mercedes slk as one of your keywords but also think about kind of well, what are the other ways of describing that like you know luxury car or you know if you're selling a kind of healthcare product what are the you know the symptoms that your product solves as it were so think about those ones as well and then once you've got that big long list there go through and fill the gaps so 
are there plurals you're missing are there different word orders are there kind of when you see you've got you know a three word keyword above and then you've got a two word keyword below so could you add those extra bits in there so say you've got kind of um cheap holiday ibiza and above you've got discount holiday ibiza can you you know go okay well i've got cheap and discount holiday and i've got these other destinations here can i combine them together to get a you know get a good list there and then you kind of want to take that list um understand the volume um so put them through google have got traffic estimator which is a pretty good tool they use for pay-per-click which will tell you you've got however many hundreds or thousands of searches a day i tend to then go through that list and sort it by the most popular ones um and then for some of the biggest ones you've got to look at trends as well because that traffic estimator that google have it only shows you like recent or overall trends so like using the holiday example it might be okay this month no one's searching for holidays and i beefer but in may you know last month or a couple of months before lots of people were mm. so you've got to appreciate that and my final tip is to at this stage you want a huge list of keywords as many as you can but then you want to narrow it down to those that you're actively going to target so i say never worry about the list being too big when you're researching it but don't forget to go through a final stage saying okay well that one's not high enough volume or that one isn't really what we do or yes that's a keyword but we're never gonna we don't want to describe our products as cheap so therefore we can't really target Mm. cheap as a term so yeah that's the kind of one that i think about really is there an optimum number of keywords you should go for per per page? Um, I mean, I think you can only really target, you know, in the title tag, which is your main place you've got to say what the page is about, you've got your 66 characters there. And it doesn't really matter the order of those words you use. So, like, if you've got cheap discount holidays um, in Ibiza and someone searches for Ibiza cheap discount holidays in the reverse order, it kind of doesn't matter the order. But you kind of want the order of that title tag to match the one you're going for. So you might be able to possibly, using the different combinations of words, target quite a few. But in terms of when you're thinking about it, I think two or three is a good way of doing it. It's like, okay, well, here are the three terms I'm going after on this page. Here are the... And yeah, and generally when you're looking at a website as a whole, depending on the scale, if you're like Amazon, it's difficult. But um, don't have too many because if you are measuring them on a ranking report system, you don't want it to be like you know too many to keep track of so keep it fairly short 50 or 60 we tend to do most of the time for clients in terms of it'll give you a good idea because if you're doing one on those 50 to 60 the chances are any that are smaller or longer you'll do Mm. do better on as well well someone Kelda asks i have an online training website offering various software and training tutorials in both flash and quicktime is it possible to repackage the quicktime videos so that they can be sold on itunes I know how to create an RSS feed and offer free video casts on iTunes, but is it possible to actually sell this content on iTunes? Now, I know that we've both got an opinion on this, haven't we, Kelvin? But you go first. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good question because it's one that neither me or Andy, when we got it through, immediately knew exactly what the, the best answer to this was. I mean, I know Andy's got a different opinion to me, um, but I came across, and I've not used these guys, so I can't vouch for how good they are, a company called TuneCore. Um, and basically what TuneCore do is they're mostly focused on music. So if I'm a little band and I want my music on iTunes, I could contact iTunes directly, but they'll tell me to get lost. Whereas what TuneCore do is they're kind of like a middleman. So they submit all your content for you and they don't take any cuts of what you earn. So they charge you a fee to put your songs on iTunes. Um, and they've started doing video as well. So... You could go directly to um, iTunes, and Simon could, especially if he thinks this is a big project. But it, 
you know, you, you've got to be of the scale that they're going to listen to you because they get hundreds of thousands. You know, if you imagine every band in the world wants their songs on iTunes. So from that perspective, they've got a lot of people. And you've then got to negotiate the deal there as well. So what Tunecore will do is quite good. You pay a set fee of a couple of hundred dollars and they'll put your video up or your song up. I've heard mixed reports when I've um, looked into the song stuff. You know, some people are absolutely raving about it. A couple of people not quite so keen. But then you don't know ever what the... It's the, the whole curse of online reviews, isn't it? No one ever says when they have an okay experience. It's mm. only the people who've had great ones or bad ones. But, I mean, you had a slightly different opinion, I think, Andy, didn't you? Well, when I looked at the question, I, I sort of did a little bit of research online. And, I mean, if you go to the iTunes, the Apple iTunes website, the official line is, no, you can't sell your podcasts mm. on iTunes. But um, on further investigation, I did find a number of companies that claimed that they could help you to do it. But I got the distinct impression, and to be honest, TuneCore wasn't one of them. I didn't come across TuneCore. But I got the impression that a lot of these companies, in my opinion, and it is only my opinion, didn't look quite right. They looked a bit dodgy. And I wouldn't myself really want to go for them. Yeah, I mean, you can you get a gut feeling, don't you, about some websites where they're a little bit fly-by-night. And I think because there's no easy way of doing this, that that's probably why they've come in to fill the gap there, haven't they? Mm, I think so. I mean, I suppose the question more generally is, you know, um, do you want to pay for them? Could you go down a freemium model, I think, is a, a good way of thinking about it. Which is exactly the thought I had. Because if I wanted to market some sort of audio product or, or video products, mm. you know, in the, same, in the case of, of Simon... I would go down the freemium route, i.e. you have a free version which you put on iTunes in the the normal way. It's freely available. It's fairly well distributed, even though it might be ring-fenced because it's on iTunes. Mm. I'd also submit it to all the other podcast directories and use conventional SEO on it. But I would have, within the show notes of those freemiums, always, always pointing back to a landing page specifically to sell the the premium model. Mm. That, that's the way I think I would go. And I, not being able to sell them on iTunes, there are some, um, some websites out there that will help you to sell sort of individual podcasts and videocasts. Do take a look at premiumcast.com. That's run by Paul Colligan. Definitely worth a look at that. I can see you're itching to say something, Kelvin. Well, yeah, no, he's, he's, Simon's got a follow-up question as well, which you know kind of ties into some of the things we're saying there as well, where he's asking about, okay, so he's got 60 individual quick-time movies. How would he go about packaging 60 um, videos? Um, and how, you know, if you're selling on iTunes, and how would he take advantage of iTunes' popularity and the micropayments? And he thinks that's a great marketing opportunity. And, I mean, to answer that question there, I mean, I think when choosing which ones you should bundle together he should think about what would be useful to the user so do they fit a coherent theme or are you just bundling them together to you know make it fit and apple seem to be i mean i've not dealt with them on any paid projects but they seem to be keen on standard price points so it'll be that kind of this costs nine all of these albums cost 9.99 15.99 or you know those kind of ways of doing it so it might well be that that's how you determine how to package them i.e I'm going to sell this for one ninety nine. so therefore I know each one's worth about 60 pence, so I'll put three together or something like that. Mm. Um, but it's really important, and this is one of the things you're touching on there, Andy, is that iTunes is only a place on the shelf. It doesn't mean that suddenly people are going to um, download your content. And I'm sure Simon's aware of this, but you know that's only the first challenge, getting it there and getting the means of determining it. That doesn't mean that anyone's going to buy it. So that's really important, thinking about how you drive traffic to iTunes to get them to buy. Question number five from Andrew Biggs. Are Google picking up tweets, and are these being shown on searches? Brilliant question. 
What's the answer? Um, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, it depends if you set your Twitter feed as private. If you set it as private, only your friends are going to be able to read it. So if you're at all concerned about what you're saying, i.e. You're, you're kind of you're slagging off your boss at work, you know, make it private or, you know, doing whatever that you don't want other people reading, make it private. If you don't, yeah, Google are indexing your, your feeds. And actually, if you search for your name now, if you've got like a fairly <clears throat> unusual name, so like in my case... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Elvin Newman, if you search for that on Google... It varies, but normally in the top five is my Twitter page. Um, and they are indexing the individual tweets. But because if you imagine on Twitter how many pages, if each tweet is an individual page, there's millions and millions of pages they're making every day. So they don't really have any trust in those individual tweets. So if you write a tweet about, you know, buy cheap Viagra, it's unlikely that's going to rank. However, um, because of the trust that's in um, Twitter.com, if that gets a few external links, so... Andy does a really interesting tweet about, um, so we've just talked about um, TuneCore there. Mm. So you tweet, um, all oh, really like TuneCore, they're doing some really interesting stuff. I then linked that from my blog, you linked it from your blog, a couple of the listeners linked it from their blog. It might only need like two or three links to outrank something that's got tens of thousands of links just because of the trust that's in the Twitter name. But do people actually link in to individual tweet posts? Have you seen that happen much? Not that often. I mean, it does happen, um, particularly if it's a, uh, really profound or interesting or newsworthy tweet um but yeah not very often it's so transitory twitter it's like kind of mm. been and gone so for someone to go okay i want that particular one and then take it back out and do it i mean there's a good example that recently of where people have been linking to the tweets is a um, friend of mine uh, a search marketing company called fervor been doing an seo tips series where they've asked lots of seos for their top tip mm. and each time they're kind of on their blog now they're doing a they link to that tweet and then expand upon that tip so you do get occasions when that happens but not very often now andrew has a supplementary question he says um i use trim that's tr.im to include short links to specific pages on the website he says it's great uh, for this as it's free and can get some good analytics however does google rate these links if at all i.e can twitter be used to help with search engine optimization 
or at this stage is it best to simply view Twitter as a refer or a, a referrer or a feeder bird feeder I suppose in brackets his joke uh, to your website what's your opinion on this I mean Trim it sounds like another version of, of Bitly yeah I mean we've recommended Bitly quite a few times on the podcast here and looking at Trim it's a similar kind of thing where it's a URL shortener that you can use on Twitter or on any website um, and yeah it will shorten the version of the URLs rather than having your long domain name. And there's a really good guide on search engine land to URL shorteners, which I'll include in the show notes, where basically they go through all the major ones and compare and contrast their features. The important thing from an SEO perspective is, we'll have talked about this before, 301 redirects. So that's where you say to the search engine, don't look at this page, look at another page. And the best URL shorteners from a search perspective use 301s. So they say, actually, don't look at our page, go straight to the original source. So if you're using one of those, which Trim and Bitly are, mm. um, yes, it can pass search engine ranking benefits. But like we were saying, each individual tweet doesn't have that much value. So um, it's not like a hugely valuable link in the same way a link on a proper website would be, but they are passing value. I mean, another thing to check out as well um, is a new launch. Um, it's called su.pr, so super. Um, and this is from the guys behind StumbleUpon. Um, and basically what they're doing is Bitly and Trim give you some good analytics of who's clicking on your links and who's following through. But they've really turned it up to 11 on that. So they've kind of got like real time. You can see who's come from where. You can And you can compile stuff as well. So say you kind of, yeah, um, you know, I tweet five days a week. Do my links generally get more click-throughs on a Friday than they do on a Monday? Because if they do, then maybe I'll go, okay, well, maybe I've got this interesting story on Thursday evening. I'll wait till tomorrow because I know more people are going to click through. So they're doing lots of really interesting things there. Theirs isn't a search engine friendly, but it might be worth the payoff um, for the, you know, the, for the benefit of the analytics that you get there. What I want is when it plugs straight into Google Analytics. When that's going to come, I don't know. But that'd be brilliant. So you can say, okay, well, I did the shoot, shorten URL. Um, you know, when did it come through? You can, there's some hacks to work around that, but it's just not, it's too much effort really, to be honest. But I want that to come to Google Analytics really. They are amazing, aren't they, these, these URL shorteners? I mean, they basically... I mean, it sounds like Super is like a stage up from Bitly. Mm. And I love the idea of a, a URL shortener that basically is like a mini Google Analytics just for that one link. Yeah, and the, the one thing that's worth really thinking about if you're going to... You know, if you've got... You're really investing by switching between these is that you need to rely on that um, URL shortener being around for a while because... People have talked about it before, and there's a real danger that like whole thousands of links could suddenly break if one of these kind of websites went bust or got hacked or you know whatever. You know, it, websites close down all the time. But if you're using one of these as a middleman for all your links, particularly like for example, like the Guardian are using them on on their pages. Mm-hmm. So if they were using tiny URL, so if tiny URL suddenly got hostilely bought out and those links suddenly linked to spam porn pills whatever size that's a risk for people like the guardian who are doing that and know their people come back to their old stories click through those links and end up in a not that's not to say that tiny url are going to go like that but there is a risk you know with any of these kind of things now andrew also asks a very interesting question about twitter he says are there schedulers out there to send tweets when i'm busy or asleep on twitter twitter schedulers do they exist yeah, I mean, there's two that I've come across that have used to a certain extent, which are quite good. One is Tweet Later. It's a free, this freemium model again. You know, a lot of Web two um, working that well, working that way. Sorry, um, but the free version will let you put tweets in, and it will do it for you at a later date. There's also um, one called Hoot Suite, um, which has got some 
more powerful functionality like you can control multiple accounts so I could have a personal one I could have a private one I could have a company one I could have a couple of clients um, but yeah I mean this is the, the other question is though although just because you can do this should you do it I mean I know that we were talking through this question beforehand Andy you know, had a pretty strong feeling that you know that's a bad idea really well no, no, I wasn't saying it was necessarily a bad idea. Yeah. I was just wondering what, what, what his motive was because Twitter is such a real-time sort of uh, phenomena. Well, f- phenomena is probably the wrong word. It's such a real-time system mm-hmm. that I'm wondering why one would... I sound like the Queen, I don't know. Why, why would one want to send a Twitter when one was asleep? I'm sure there's a very good reason, um, but I can't think of an, of an obvious one. Myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose Andrew might well be that his target market's all in the States and he's on UK time or vice versa. And I can see the logic there. Something like that might work quite well. But yeah, the whole brilliance of Twitter and the reason that I'm sorry for people who don't like it, we seem to keep yabbering on about it at the moment on the podcast. So I'll, I'll, we'll have to do a no Twitter rule, I think, at some point. But We'll have a Twitter ban. Like the last 10 minutes of every show, we cannot mention Twitter. <laughs> but um, anyway, behind that, it's like, so yeah it's it's really powerful but it's kind of like instant messaging really but everyone can see so if you're not there to reply so you put out this great tweet of a great bit of content that you've done or you found elsewhere and someone replies and then you then take 12 hours to reply because you're in bed they're gonna they might be offended by that or at least you're not going to get the full value that you would so i'm i'm a big believer in a you know setting hours for these kind of things so it's like i use twitter and I use it in the afternoons because I get mo- I'm most productive in the morning. So I don't do it then because it's a distraction. Um, and then in the afternoon, I'm a bit less productive. I've done most of the things that are really important. So I'll have it on in the background then. And, you know, I know that the people that I'm most interested in sort of overlap at that point in time as well. And I treat it like I would instant messaging, really. I recently listened to a great episode of... Uh, we are allowed to promote other podcasts, aren't we, on this yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, Online Marketing Live, uh, with, I think I've mentioned this one before, with um, Alex Mendozian and Paul Colligan, mm-hmm. who's a couple of guys I follow quite closely, interesting guys from the USA, from over the pond. And they recently had a, an episode where Paul was asking um, Alex what his um, social media strategy was. And I remember Alex, I've been listening to the podcast directly because I probably misquoted it, but, but Alex was saying that he only devotes about an hour a week to his Twitter yeah. and he, in, in two half-hour batches. And the first thing he does, he just does a quick search to see any particular search terms that he is interested in to do with his business or, or his, what, his expertise. Mm-hmm. And then he just responds to anything like that. So he, he's quite, he has a quite a lightweight sort of Twitter approach. But it, it's an interesting point because we have had a number of questions generally, I know we're still on question five, but bear with us, we will move on. Mm-hmm. Um, generally asking, and I think uh, Andrew Biggs also was one of the people that asked about general Twitter strategies for business. Yeah, I mean, um, I've done a bit of a, uh, what we, the tweet sheet, we call it, so it's a bit of a white paper on some of the things you can do, which um, is on our blog as well. But yeah, there's a couple of things that I've come across that I always think are good tips. Um, competitions work well. So if you're giving something away and you can use um, you know, Twitter to spread that virally, that's a good idea. So if you've got a product that people will give away free, if they ask a question and mention you, that can work quite well. Um, retweet the people who you want to impress or contact um, because effectively it's a bit of a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So say, you know, I know, I know a few of the podcast listeners have done this as well, where it's like they've seen something I've mentioned, mm-hmm. they've retweeted it to their followers mm-hmm. and then suddenly I see them. I friend them rather than doing it the other and it kind of it's a bit more proactive then someone comes on your radar so that's a good tip to do as well and use unique content a lot of people are trying to save time and i can see why because social media can be a big time commitment but don't just use you know twitter to be your facebook statuses and you know your latest blog post so it's all kind of 
echo chamber try and do something unique so it's you know if i already re- subscribe to your rss feed and all you use your twitter account for is to promote your blog posts there's no point in me following you is there so be aware try and add something that you're not doing elsewhere really even if it's just observations what i find it's great for is those kind of ideas where it's like oh i really ought to write a blog post about that and then never get around to it and it just sits there on the to-do list so like, that's why i try to use twitter for is those kind of interesting one sentence observations that you know i think other people might be interested to hear and respond to other people who are doing stuff like that yes i'm sure we could do an entire show on twitter but the interesting thing is the last 10 minutes we wouldn't be able to talk about anything (laughs) right uh, question six uh, from brandon g my question is in regard to e-commerce i would love to hear your views on open source shopping carts in particular magneto is that how you pronounce it magneto Mm -hmm. magneto magneto it's a pretty hot e-commerce solution right now and it's free so just wanted to know you and your team of professionals opinion on that piece of software over to you kelvin yeah first of all i put my hands up and say i'm by no means an expert on shopping carts and those kind of things but you know i had a bit of a look into this and um yeah generally i mean we're big advocates of open source software i mean wordpress i can't you know heap praise on enough so anything that kind of is good in sharing the source there tends to be a better product so if lots of people can collaborate it's going to be a better product than just one company hogging it all there so from that perspective it looks really good and some of the feedback i've read about magneto magnento i'm not too sure how you pronounce it um looks really promising as well um oh sorry it's magnento isn't it not magneto magnento i do apologize and yeah so from that perspective it it looks quite positive but having said that i went to look at their website when doing the research for this and it was down which always strikes it's it's either really good news i.e they're getting loads and loads of traffic or it's really bad news and that would concern me a little bit in the the sense that if you're relying on your shopping cart so for your your website to make money Mm -hmm. and their website goes down that strikes me as a little bit worrying but i'm sure it was kind of perfectly legitimate and if i went and looked at it now i'd be okay but um, yeah, I mean, one thing I definitely recommend is the guys over at eConsultancy, um, who are kind of UK and US based, they do these kind of premium guides. And if you're a member, they do one um, on shopping carts. And I can't recommend their stuff highly enough. The guys who are do, doing their um, those kind of documents really know their stuff. They're experts in their field. Um, I mean, I recently went on a training program with them with one of their e-retail guys, Ian Jindal, and he, he really knows his stuff. So I mean, it, I think Brandon's, you know, a big advocate of this piece of software, so that, that's good. But if you're in a similar boat to him and you don't know what you want to, you know, how to have a shopping cart on your site, I'd recommend having a look at the e-consultancy guides because they review most of them. And Brandon also asks, what's the best way you feel to get started on the internet for e-commerce? Uh, and are social networks worthwhile? Which ones do you recommend focusing on? Sorry, that was my pen being put down there. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The, the important thing to re- remember here is, that, you know, we're in this podcast and all the guys listen to it are going to be really interested in social media. But it's important to remember it's not the elixir that solves all problems, as it were. To, to do well in social media, your website needs that your company needs to be unique and have a strong voice. So if you're a bit of a me too player, you know, i.e. you're the second best mobile retailer in your county, mm-hmm. it's unlikely you're going to be able to make the message do well in social media and if that is the case you should stick to some of the more conventional marketing methods and i mean if you're launching a big e-commerce play don't forget offline i mean it, yeah it might not be as efficient or it might not be as exciting as Off, offline play. kelvin offline <laughs> well i mean you, just looking at bing um msn's new search engine and that's doing really well at the moment and in the uk sort of overtaking yahoo depending on whose stats you look at 
And that's largely due to the TV advertising that they're doing. And it proves that, yeah, they're spending a lot of money on it, but it does work. And if I was launching a major media, you know, major e-commerce play, I'd consider doing some kind of advertising, even if it's in specialist publications or, you know, any anything really. So I think the thing is to be have an integrated approach is to go, okay, well, here's what we're doing. Here's who we want to contact. How can we contact them? You know, are there websites they always visit? We'll do banner ads on them. You know, okay, here's the news sites they read. We'll try and do some online PR to them. You know, here's the keywords they search for. We'll try and rank for them. We'll bid on the P, you know, the pay-per-click keywords. And and then, okay, here's the social networks they use. What kind of, what companies are doing well promoting to those people online and how can we do similar? And not just trying to do it in isolation because various bits will help each other. So like some of the best viral video content is television adverts you know they're not exactly the same but you know a lot of the viral videos are adverts so it's trying to work out how you can get them all to work together on that thing it's, that's the key and if you can master that you know you'd be laughing all the way to the bank and if anyone knows a foolproof way of doing it can they drop me an email on that one and i'll <laughs> well laughing all the way to the bank yeah. <laughs> but yeah um so yeah that, that that's the the tip there really is to you know it depends on the site in question so if you're selling a certain kind of thing certain networks will appeal but generally try and see how and fit together funny you should mention that because i'm actually going to the bank after we've recorded this to bank a, a small check i'm emphasize it is quite a small check but i shall try laughing on the way and just see how i feel right should we move on to our last question then question number seven yeah. from from gray dudek gray asks or well, one question i'm asked by a number of sme clients is around blog promotion uh, most of them have blogs set up now and are active contributors to them I always advise the simple and quick steps of sitemap submission, contacting other relevant bloggers with regards linking, acknowledging comments, being involved in forums, using tweets, and finally adding Google Analytics to measure their efforts. How would you go about promoting a small business blog? That's a good question to end on, actually. Nice, generic internet marketing question. Yeah, and I mean, Gray's obviously doing some good work there because getting people to set up the blog and contribute is the biggest challenge. Once you've got over that hill, you know, you're then you know, kind of onto the good stuff. And I mean, one thing that I think is really good to do is to set yourself some goals. So normally with blogs, your goals are kind of visitors, subscribers. If you're an SME, it might be leads, but I think blogs indirect. So your best. So what I'd say to um, Gray is to, before he does any kind of promotion of them, get them to say, okay, well, at the moment, if they're using FeedBurner, we're getting, we've got 50 subscribers, you know, which is not too bad for an SME blog. We want to, by the end of the year, get to 250. So, you know, that's quite a big increase, but, you know, quite achievable. And then once you've got that, you can say, okay, well, what did I do this month that added to it? What did I not do that did not? And that's the, if you've not got that, you're always going to struggle to understand what's working well or not. Um, but then some particular things that I think are good to do, um, just quite easy, but um, really, you know, worth taking the time to do is link to the people who you want to link to. One of the best ways of getting someone's attention is, is linking to them. Mm. Because if they're using WordPress or whatever, they're, they'll see whoever's linking to them. So you'll be surprised the number of people who say, oh, someone's talking about me, I'll go have a look at that. And then you're on their radar. So for any of the SMEs, there are other bigger blogs in their area um, linked to them because that's a great place to start. The other thing is similar, comment on other blogs. Um, I've been a bit, uh, this week, I, I don't read my RSS feed as often as I'd like to. So I set aside an afternoon last week to go through and comment on as many as I felt I had something to add to. And I spent a couple of hours there and I think it was really good because I got caught up on everything. But also it was really good because I left those comments and it sent traffic back to our site. And we actually had a little spike in traffic from the people who were the readers of that blog, seeing your comment and 
coming to your site, but also the publishers of that blog going, okay, who's this chap? Um, I'll come have a look at his website. So that's really good. And the final tip from me really is to consider doing guest posting. And that can work in two ways. One is getting guest people to post on your blog and then they'll mention it on their website and hopefully send you some traffic or do it the other way around. So find someone who's already got a really well-established blog and say, hey, let me write a little post for you. And, you know, most bloggers are loving that kind of content. So that will always work well. Uh, my ideas for this, um, it's a bit tricky because we are actually in the last 10 minutes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you do uh, make a post, uh, mention it on that site that we can't mention, the site that cannot be named. On any social networking site, but those which update regularly in real time might be a good place to start. Is that what you're trying to say, Andy? Yeah, the, the T site. <laughs> Mention it on the T site and just say, oh, new blog and just put a couple of um, words that will show what the benefit of the person will get from reading it. And it's, you'd be surprised, actually, how many people, how many visits will get because of that. And the other thing, of course, I, I, don't, I hope you didn't mention it at the beginning of the, your answer because I did actually mentally blink while I was just reading through my notes. But conventional things like you know moo cards everyone loves yeah. moo cards don't they yeah yeah that's a like anything off like, i'm saying it before but anything offline you can do one of the best ways to build traffic to your blog is go to an event and speak to people because if you meet someone suddenly you're going to take what they say a lot more seriously and you know attend conferences go to in most sectors like in the seo um well there's london seo which they regularly organize meetups and there's normally free beer there so i'm there like a shot at that point but um yeah so but i've met some of the best links i've got to our website you know in the seo sphere have come from meeting those people you know because i've met them i've been able to interview them or i've been able to you know when i need a a strategic vote on a, a website because i'm one away from going off the onto the main page you can use those networks so yeah meet people and be nice is is a good tip Actually, you mentioned speaking there. Speaking is incredible. If you can speak, speak in public. There's one of the most gratifying things you can do is to go to an event and then someone walks up and you go, ooh, I heard you speak at blah, 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 blah. And then you can say quite nonchalantly, ooh, which, which one was that then? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's, you know, it can really work wonders because then you can then follow up your speech with a blog post. You can kind of, you know, prelude it. Yeah, it's especially if you're in a in an industry and even if those events don't take place so i know a lot of our you know listeners are scattered all over the world and they might not be in a big you know central um hub like london or new york or california or wherever it is but there'll be lots of people in your your town who are doing similar things to you arrange a meetup you know it, it it's not hard to do you can use you know you know whatever ways you've got of contacting those people to let them know about it but then just arrange a kind of once a month meetup of people working in digital in your area because it'll be great for your knowledge because you'll learn for those people or you'll confirm what you already know. But then it's those kind of secondary benefits where you might get a bit more work out of it or you might get a link that's you know that well worth buying someone a beer for. The more you give, the more you get. You cast your bread upon the waters and it comes back buttered, occasionally with a big steak in the middle of it. <laughs> right, with that then, well, uh, that's it. That's the, that's the seven questions. Uh, we've, we tried to keep it to seven to try and stay within our 40 minutes, but I don't think we've quite achieved that. <laughs> but uh, so it's very much, um, very much, it's, it's big thanks to Kelvin. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, no, and thanks for all those great questions. I mean, there were a few more that came through that I'll be trying to reply to on email. And if anyone's missed the boat, as it were, feel free to bung them through and we'll either try and cover them in a future podcast or drop people emails. Well, we always answer questions anyway where we can. So we tend to answer them pretty much as they come through. So we, I know we have, got, we have got one or two that we didn't actually get to, but never mind. We'll, we will cover those. So bear with us. So that's it then. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you again next month. All the best. Bye. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management categories or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market